welcome to On the Record with Furniture Today, a podcast that goes behind the headlines to look at the news and the newsmakers, the people and the personalities that give the furniture industry its unique flavor. I'm your host, Bill McLaughlin, Editor-in-Chief of Furniture Today. So my guest this week is Alan Vanderhaar from Miskelly's Furniture, also known as Dr. V. Um, who last year accepted award on behalf of Miskelly's as a retail giant. We are here at the betting conference. Um, Alan, tell me how you got the nickname Dr. V. Well, I've been with Miskelly's now for a little over almost 25 years. Uh, and about 23 years ago, we were a big Simmons dealer. And at the time, Simmons had a commercial called the Bowling Ball Commercial. And the guy in the commercial actually wore a lab coat and dropped the bowling ball and the pins did not fall over. It was all about the individual pocketed coils. And at the time we had a Christmas party and so the owners of Miss Kelly's uh, thought it would be a joke since I was the mattress buyer to go ahead and give me a lab coat and it was in a monogram that said Dr. V uh, Mattress Specialist. My last name being Vonderhaar, uh, that's where the V actually came from. So I was never a real doctor, but Chip Miss Kelly, one of our owners said, we can market that idea. And so uh, the very first commercial that we ever did as Dr. V was a Friday night frenzy. And it was gonna be one of those sales where we were open up late at night and Chip Miskelly, who was our spokesperson on television, was doing the ad and I was like a gazelle in the background. It was done in front of the mattress department and all I did was jump on mattress to mattress to mattress, back and forth and ran back and forth in the background. No speaking at all. Uh, and then afterwards, and it was all part of that whole Friday night frenzy kind of concept, but afterwards I went to him and I was like, look, if you guys really want to do something with this Dr. V uh, and you want me to be an actual spokesperson, it can't be this tongue in cheek. It's got to have a certain amount of credibility because there are many places where a customer can purchase a mattress. And if we're really going to make Dr. V into something, it's got to have credible information and at the same time be a spokesperson that becomes trustworthy. And so at that point we switched focus. Uh, I became the mattress spokesperson and I've been now doing that in our market for a little over 20 years. So that's where Dr. V was born. So I still get to wear a little lab coat. I still get to come out. I still go show up on Saturdays into the showrooms uh, and talk with people. And it is funny how recognizable it is. I almost call it the Johnny Carson effect meaning I come into their bedrooms every night during the news uh, and they feel like they know me, even though I've never met people before. But uh, we get emails saying, hey, can I come in and talk to Dr. V about my mattress? And so it's either me or at least one of my representatives who do not wear lab coats, but at least will be in the mattress department. So we really project, uh, project ourselves as the mattress specialist. So you're not a doctor, but you do play one. That's right, <laughs> exactly correct. I'm not a real doctor, have never claimed to be a real doctor, but yes, I absolutely do play one on TV. So when you see people in the store, do they address you as Dr. V? Dr. V, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny because I can literally, because we've done so much advertising, I can drive through Wendy's and people will recognize my voice and they'll say, hey, it's the sleep doctor, or along those type of lines. Uh, so yes, it's, uh, it's been uh, pretty recognizable, but I've really become the, the face of where you wanna go to buy a quality mattress uh, in Jackson, Mississippi. Do you feel a responsibility? Well, you know, it's interesting, because in the days of social media, I absolutely do uh, feel a certain amount of responsibility, one, to be knowledgeable, 
People expect that. When, when you're on TV, you get a certain amount of credibility, uh, but also because they really are looking for solutions. And so we are a company that is really big on training in particular. I want to make sure that our salespeople are very knowledgeable about the mattress category. I'm very passionate uh, about sleep. You know, one of our mission is, is enriching lives through home furnishings. And nothing's more true than that than in the mattress category. Because no one's looking for a mattress because it's a mattress. They're looking for a better night's sleep. And it's not just a better night's sleep, it's a better night's sleep. So how they're going to perform during the rest of the day. And so we take that very seriously. And I take the character of Dr. V very seriously uh, in our market as a result of that. Now, when you started as Dr. V, you were a mattress buyer. Over time, your role has changed and, and you have a um, real important role in terms of RSA training and directing the mattress. Um, how, we're here at the betting conference and we're talking a great deal about disruption and the, the online players and how they have disrupted the marketplace. Has that changed the way that you train RSAs to deal with the um, perception that they have to now compete against those D2C players? Well, there's no question that, one, the consumers changed. Uh, and as a retailer, if you're not adapting to that change, then you're going to have a very difficult time. And so almost everything happens to a large degree at the RSA level. And what I mean by that is that you think a customer comes in and buys the mattress that's best for them. That's, that's actually not true. Because when you come in and are looking for a mattress as a, as a salesperson, I'm going to show you what, four, five maybe mattresses out of the 60 or 70 that may be on my floor. Uh, and so there may be some options that you don't even have out there. So one of the things that we've really worked on is when that customer comes in, is how are we going to elevate that experience? We all like to say that, oh, let's elevate the experience. But what we mean by that is training sales associates to ask the right questions to find out where they are at in their purchasing journey. And as a result of that, you can provide the right information so that, as I always say, become an assistant buyer, not a salesperson. People love to buy, but they hate to be sold. And those high pressure salespeople, which give us such a bad connotation, are just trying to sell a mattress. You're really not coming alongside the customer to really help them in the buying decision. And ultimately, that's where I think the sales associates really need to focus on. Give me an example of the kinds of right questions. What do you, when that RSA first, because I, I've been into so many stores, right? And the first thing people do is say, can I help you? <laughs> and right, that is, that is the natural reaction, but it's a yes, no question. Right. It doesn't get the conversation started, I'm sure, the way you would like them. Tell me some of the specific questions you encourage RSAs to use. What are those techniques for qualifying that customer? Well, one of the things that I learned a long time ago is, Coaching salespeople for just the results really produces a challenge. When you coach just for results, you end up producing more high-pressure salespeople. When you coach on a process, it makes a, the conversation go differently. So one of the things that we do when you come in looking for a mattress, uh, and we actually learned this through Bedgear, they were the first ones to really promote the idea, and it's been so successful, is that we pull a pillow we literally will fit a customer first for a pillow. And we have four or five different pillows in different heights, different thicknesses, whether you're backside, stomach, sleeper. The interesting thing is that the pillow presentation has nothing to do with selling pillows. And yes, we'll sell some pillows, but it has everything to doing with selling mattresses. 
because through the pillow presentation, it gives you an opportunity to one, do something that most salespeople don't do in other stores, but two, no one's threatened by a pillow. So in order to test a pillow, you have to lay down on a mattress. So that in and of itself breaks that first barrier of the customer that wants to just push on it uh, in that barrier. Plus, as you start to fit them for a pillow, those barriers between salesperson and customer start to go down. When they can be lowered, and now I can engage more in a conversation about what your needs, wants, desires are, I can learn things through that conversation while you're actually laying on the pillow. You know, what kind of mattresses maybe you've already been researching. I'll find out your engagement online. Did you go to our website? You know, what did you find? And all of a sudden now I'm engaging in conversation that's very consumer specific to that individual. And because of that, now I got a much better idea that if I am only gonna show you four or five mattresses, I got directional versus what so many salespeople do where they just bounce you around on different mattresses and hope that it works. So we really try to figure out how our salespeople are going to engage really in that personal level and we find doing the pillow is a good way to start that. So in terms of where the pillows are located, how do you transition into that? I mean, I, I can't imagine that it's successful to say, could you wait a minute, I'm gonna go get a pillow and you run across and... Well, we actually have pillow racks right at the beginning. Well, we actually have several places throughout our mattress department, but typically they're at the beginning of the mattress department. And we literally frame it in that context of, before we pick you out your right mattress, you know, 30% of your vertebrae is actually located from your shoulders up, all right? So 30% of your comfort conceivably come from having the right pillow. So let me bring you over here. And of course, we happen to demonstrate on Tempur-Pedic, which happens to be one of our nicest. Mm -hmm. So it's a memory foam mattress. So I initially can get you on a very, very nice mattress without trying to look like I'm trying to get you on a very nice mattress. Two, I can also get you on memory foam. And now I can start to understand whether or not you're a memory foam customer, or maybe you're gonna be more traditional like with the Stearns and Foster. So I can pull the pillow, get you to actually lay down, test the different heights of the different pillows, get you on your backside stomach, engage with you about the conversation. And so I've already now showed you at least one mattress, and now I got a direction. And I'll say, oh, by the way, the mattress you're laying on, how does that feel to you? And I get the idea of the conversation going either about memory foam or about Tempur-Pedic. I at least get to introduce an upper quality type of mattress than just starting out with a cheap mattress. And we're not even talking about price at that point. It's just about feel. And then from there, if I feel like memory foam's not working, I can go to Stearns and Foster, which is still another nice end, uh, high end mattress, but it's more of a traditional feel. Then I've got a direction on where I can take them. I noticed that you also started with a kind of a scientific understanding of the human body mm -hmm. and bring in that, the fact that you have a certain expertise about sleep as not just purchasing a product, but you've now made it a, a health conversation. Is that something that you train? And Well, years ago when we started to develop our own freestanding stores, uh, with our name being Miskelly's, we started to go down Miskelly mattress stores because that made it simple and there were the two M's and all that. And then we changed it and we actually are called Miskelly sleep stores. So now the challenge with that is that mattress is not in our name. So that has actually hurt us when the internet goes for search and they start looking for mattress. So we've had to do more paid advertising uh, for that reason. But on the flip side of that, it really ties into what we have trained our salespeople to be about, and that is a better night's sleep, because that's ultimately what that consumer's looking for. So we really try to position ourselves at Miskelly's anyway, that we are a sleep store, uh, and we talk a lot about the health benefits of sleep, 
because we feel long-term, that's how I can best become an assistant buyer to you versus just trying to sell you a mattress and be done. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, my, in my own experience, when you shop for mattresses, salespeople will get caught up in features, coil count, numbers, all of these different things. Is that a successful technique or is that counterproductive? Uh, in my mind, it's totally counterproductive. I mean, ultimately, the consumer doesn't care how many coils it, it has. Uh, and I think your weaker salespeople you know, try to use that aspect of what they're going to say, coil counts or warranties, all of those type of things usually are, are more techniques by more weaker salespeople. What we try to do instead is really focus on the benefits. So there are a lot of mattresses that may have memory foam in it, it might be breathable, it might be cooler. Uh, the new Tempur-Pedic Breeze collection, which allows it to be up to eight degrees cooler all night long, is a feature. But what does that mean for you? Well, if you're sleeping a little bit cooler, one of the reasons why you toss and turn at night and have disrupted sleep is if you get too hot. So if you're one of those type of people that sleep hot, then a cooling mattress can make a difference for you. One of the other things uh, that we do is part of our process, I talked earlier about the process, is I want to make sure that the feet raise in every presentation. I can coach a, sale, a salesperson on that because we went ahead and put an adjustable base under every single mattress in our departments. If it can articulate, I want a base underneath it. Because we don't try to do an adjustable base presentation, we try to say another feature of this mattress is that the feet can raise. And then we push the button and raise up the feet. Uh, and the reason for that is because when you raise the feet, the, the pelvic bone tilts instead of torques. And when it tilts, you get a more natural curvature of your spine. Uh, in addition, when you raise the head, it makes it easier on the organs and so you can breathe easier. There's some real benefits to the adjustable base. You know, there's been a lot of talk about the massage systems on adjustable bases and whether or not they're valuable or not because they're not really a true massage. They're more like vibrators uh, in that sense that they make noise and vibrate the bed. But what I talk about is in the transition to sleep. You know, a lot of people, when they first lay in bed, they toss and turn as they transition to sleep. That first 15 minutes is so critical. So in my own personal situation, I went ahead and put the timer on my adjustable base every single night. And I do that because it literally now tells my mind when I lay in, when that vibrator comes on, I am transitioning to sleep. And so it's more than just an adjustable base where the feet go up. You've got to talk about the benefits uh, to those consumers. That's fascinating. I'm sorry. I just, I'm very excited about I know, this I, stuff. I, I want that bag. <laughs> <laughs> I want that bag. Yeah, I'm very excited about this stuff. Uh, I just, you know, it, it's not just a statement. I think it's important to know your why and why you do what we do. And so when I sit there and talk about how we enrich people's lives through home furnishings, uh, clearly in the mattress category because of the health benefits. But beyond that, even in terms of the living room having set up where you're gonna spend time with your family and your friends, uh, having that right uh, environment that we create, then all of a sudden you're not just selling a sofa. You're not just selling a chair. You really understand that we do have an impact uh, on people's lives and it really elevates you as a salesperson to realize that what you do matters. People talk a lot today, particularly as we differentiate from online shopping, about creating a positive in-store experience. And very often when I hear retailers talk about that, they talk about it as a sales experience. Um, you're talking about it as partial sales experience, but also what you're creating for that consumer. 
what are some of the elements of that store experience that Miskelly creates in terms of the, the physical environment, the um, that consumer? So from the consumer's perspective, what's their experience? Well, I, I think that's real important because it really goes beyond salespeople. It is a culture. When we talk about our why at Miskelly's, it is the culture that we are developing. And although sales is part of it, there's the whole experience when you first come in, but it's also all the way to the customer pickup situation, if you're gonna pick up at our docks, or in our delivery situation. But we actually bring that all the way down even to our warehouse workers. So every time we have a distribution meeting, we're talking about our why, and why what they do matters. If you're literally pulling a piece of furniture out of the racks and prepping it, the care you take to prep that correctly to go in someone's home, matters. And so it's one, a culture at Miskelly Furniture that we are going to enrich people's lives through home furnishings. So to go along with that, when you come in our showroom, we, we're very fortunate. We have some of the best visual designers uh, literally in the country. And, and, and these people do an incredible job of making our showrooms just look spectacular. It is an incredibly warm environment. Uh, a lot of vignettes are set up so you can see how it would look like. It's easy to imagine it. Um, but there's a culture that you feel when you come into Miskelly's and it happens at the cashier level, it happens at the sales level, happens at the customer pickup dock, uh, and it literally happens on delivery. There's just so much that goes into trying to develop a culture that is above and beyond. So when you talk about elevating the experience, I think it can't be just at sales level. It's got to permeate the entire organization. Anytime you have employees, there are some who excel and there are some who don't. Tell me how you deal with a coaching situation where you've got someone, because we, we were talking earlier and you said right. they have the same customers, but one person might do $100,000, one might do thirty-five. So take me to that 35,000 person who needs a coaching discussion. Tell me how you go through that, that coaching. Well, what we have found best is to coach on a process. If I coach just on results, then I'm just gonna force you to be high pressure. If you, if you coach on a process, for example, uh, if, someone's, if I got a salesperson that comes into my mattress department, I'm going to expect that they're gonna pull a pillow. That's part of the process. I'm gonna expect that the feet are going to rise through that presentation. It's part of the process. If they're showing whether it's going to be uh, living room and they're gonna be doing special orders, we gotta worry about the process. So there's just an opportunity there to really work with uh, salespeople in terms of coaching. And I think the difference is that we try not to micromanage. I don't wanna micromanage a salesperson. I wanna equip them with the tools and a process, something they can latch on, specific behaviors that they can do in which to improve themselves, uh, to develop that skill set that's needed. Now, you mentioned as we were talking, because we do pre-interviews, folks, um, that some people have a problem asking for the money. Yes. Right. Yeah. How do you how do you work them through that? Well, I, you know, and that's a tough one. I, I think one of the challenges of retail salespeople is that overall they just want to be nice. They're just nice people, and they're hoping that if they're nice enough the customers will say, I'll take it. Uh, and that would be great if that always happened, and occasionally that does. Uh, but what I find is that there are a lot of them that just, when it gets down to the close, they don't know how to close. They're, they're, they're fearful that they're not gonna be nice if they ask for the money that equates to it. One of the things we talk about is that I don't wanna give you a big stack of money for your little stack of benefits. 
So one of the things we try to focus on are not the features, but the benefits of whatever the product is that they're looking on. Whether it's going to be a sofa, dining room table, uh, whether it's going to be a mattress, it's irrelevant to whatever the product is. But I won't give you a big stack of money for your little stack of benefits. So if you want me to give you a big stack of money, you've got to have your benefits outweigh that. So the way that we're trying to coach salespeople to get better at asking for the money is to realize that they've built enough benefits. Then when I ask for you to actually make the purchase, it makes sense because though you're giving me a big stack of money, you're going to give it for a bigger stack of benefits. And that's when the decision is made on the consumer's mind that it's worth taking the risk. How do you, how does a salesperson or how do you coach them to make the transition? When does that close begin in the process? So you've given me a pillow, you've raised my feet. When do we start to try to finalize and get the consumer to commit? Well, you know the old story was ABC always be, be closing. closing. I don't think that's true anymore. I think it's ABC always be consulting. And I think there's a, that's a mindset, that's a change. So I don't know if there's so much as the magical time uh, of when you ask for the close, but I think that if you're engaging with the, cons uh, the consumer and you're consulting the consumer, those opportunities become more real. They start talking about in terms of how they're going to have this merchandise in their home. And if you're building benefits along the way in the different features that you've been showing and they're liking the, either way a mattress feels or a sofa looks or a dining room table or a bedroom set, I think that's when you need to realize that if you're talking enough benefits, you could ask for that sale. And, and every customer is going to be a little bit different. It also is about, as we know, consumers are researching so much more. You know, when we talk about the purchase journey that comes through that the consumer is on. Um, as I say, if, they, if they're very early in that journey, then you need to be able to give more informational. You've got to add value to that customer's experience. They may not be ready to buy at that point. And trying to close them will just irritate them. So be that informational source for them. On the flip side of that, if they're towards the end of their journey, if you don't ask for the sale, they're going to go down the street and buy it from somebody else. And so that's a little bit of a skill set. Some of it is intuitive. But if you approach it from the point of, I'm going to assist you, I'm going to be consulting with you, I'm prepared to give you information because you might not be ready to buy today. So I don't have to close you today. But if I come along and be the person that most furniture salespeople are not, then there's a chance that that relationship will get established and I'll be able to work with you to bring that to a close. What are the attributes of the most effective salesperson? from a personality standpoint, from a skill set standpoint? That's a great question. I wish I could bottle that up. Uh, we have several million dollar producers at Miskelly's, um, and a lot of them uh, are skilled in different ways, but I would say part of it is, is that they understand their why. They know why they are doing what they're doing. They're not just trying to sell a customer, they're trying to establish a relationship. You know, we talk about the average customer may spend as much as $50,000 in their lifetime. So it's not the one-time sale, it is the building up a relationship that goes beyond it. So I think relationship selling is really important and I think your better salespeople out there understand that uh, and they get that. Uh, so they're very persistent, they understand that, you know, me asking you to buy it is because I'm going to enrich your life through my home furnishings that I'm going to provide you. Why would I not ask you to buy it? And so they're not fearful of asking you to buy because they understand that in reality, once you take home these furnishings, this is a plus for you. 
and I just need a little bit of money to be able to make that happen. But in the end, you win because long after you give me that money, you're still going to have those home furnishings. By the time I make my commission on it, that's long gone. So in the, at the end of the day, the consumer always wins more than the salesperson does. What were some of the people who coached you as you were coming up in your career? Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I started out in this industry. I was 22 years old. I was in college uh, and I went to work for a waterbed store in uh, Columbia, Missouri for Denny Boyd, who owns Boyd Specialty Sleep Today. And uh, Denny really saw something in me that I did not see in myself. So, uh, and I talked about this last year when I became a Retail Giant of Bedding uh, Award. I actually gave a call out to Denny because I was 22 years old. He had sent me to a conference down in New Orleans. And on the way back, I spent the night in Jackson, Mississippi. I was from St. Louis. And I thought I would wake up the next day and go out and look at all these waterbed stores, steal ideas. You know, I was the young, eager beaver at the age of 22 back then. Uh, and realized there were no waterbed stores, so I thought about um, opening up a waterbed store. And I went to Denny. Now, I'm 22 years old. I had no credit. This is 1984. And I went to Denny. And I said, Denny, I'm thinking about moving to Jackson, Mississippi, a city I'd never been in before, uh, to open up a waterbed store. What do you think? Now the reality is his words at that point would change my life because he was one of my heroes and one of my mentors. He brought me into the industry. If he had said, you know, Alan, you know, it's 1984, or, you know, the heydays of waterbeds kind of over, it's a hard business to get into, blah, 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 you should stay here, I'm going to make you a manager, you'd have a long career, your family, any of those things that I would have stayed in St. Louis. But he turned to me and he said, you know, I'm not sure if a lot of people would make it but I believe in you and I see something in you that if you really set your mind for this, you can do this. And with those words, I got in a car and I drove to Jackson, Mississippi and opened up a waterbed store in 1984 and I kind of rode that wave, pun intended, uh, to 1994. And then as we know, the waterbed industry kind of moved on uh, and at the time, uh, Oscar Miskelly, Chip Miskelly, and Tommy Miskelly, I had known them, we all went to church together and they were expanding their business and I went and talked to them and they were like, you know, Alan, come on board here at Miss Kelly's. And so those three guys were my true mentors uh, in the early days. They believed me, they've empowered me over the years. Uh, currently I'm the Director of Strategic Development and Growth at Miss Kelly's. Uh, so I've been there now 25 years later. So I've only had two jobs in my whole life. Uh, well, a very short one at Royal Waterbeds and then a 10 year ones with Sunset and then 25 years now with Miss Kelly Furniture. So those have been my true mentors. They've really trusted and believed in me. And now we, we saw today at the conference waterbeds, at least some yes. places are coming back. Yes, <laughs> how exciting was that? I mean, I think that would be awesome. I loved uh, the waterbed business. And, and here's the reason why. The waterbed business, you know, we talk about how the, the people back then, the, the incumbents, you know, they didn't like waterbeds. They didn't want to deal with waterbeds, your traditional furniture stores. When I had my waterbed store, Miss Kelly's wasn't even really selling waterbeds at all. I was, because uh, it was different and it was harder. But in order to sell a waterbed, you had to talk about the quality of sleep. You had to talk about the benefits of flotation sleep. So I cut my teeth on realizing that if I was going to work with consumers, I had to talk in their interest. Uh, because if not, they weren't going to willing to invest in a waterbed. Uh, and so it was great training uh, back in those days because there are some really true benefits uh, to flotation sleep. So 
Uh, I'd love to see it come back. Uh, I think it'll be a much better version. Uh, the concept of materials are far better today than what they existed, you know, some 30 some years ago. So I would love to see them come back and really be a, another option for consumers because there are some consumers that would truly benefit from it. Is that something you could see Miss Kelly's bringing in at some point? Oh, absolutely. There would be no doubt. I would be all over that concept. Now, whether or not Oscar, Tommy, and Chip would think that may be a different story, but I absolutely could see that there's a segment of the population. If nothing else, all of my old customers from 30 years ago <laughs> might be wanting to come back and try it again. I sold a bunch of waterbeds in the time. In the 25 years that you've been in, in the, the business, how have you seen the mattress industry change, both positively and negatively? Hmm. Well, uh, I'll start with the negative and then I'll swing around to the positive uh, because I absolutely love this industry. Uh, I think there has been a real challenge with the race to the bottom. Um, and we talked about here at the conference and I would tell, uh, especially some of you, let me do a side bar sure. for just a moment here. Uh, if you're a retailer listening to this, you should be at this betting conference. Um, and, and I'm real serious about that for a couple of different reasons. One the content of what you guys provide here is truly valuable. Uh, there's some real insights that come from the speakers that you guys have chosen, the insights into specifically the mattress industry, uh, and the ROI, the return on the investment of coming to this is far greater uh, than you skipping it out. There really is value in the content. Beyond that is the relationships that you gain. Last year, for the first time, I met Podium. Uh, and the guys at Podium, uh, and it was incredible. And we joined forces with them, and we were a situation to where the only reviews we had were bad, because that's the only people who would actually post. We had like a 1.4, 1.5 stars, and we're just coasting through it. Since Podium came on board, uh, Podium has figured out the best time to serve up a review is at time of purchase. So within 20 minutes of making a purchase at Miskelly's, we send out a survey forum, and we're currently at 4.8 stars with over thousands of reviews. It has totally transformed our entire online reputation. And I'm not trying to make a commercial for Podium because there are other places to do that. But with Podium, the relationship came from the Betting Conference. And I wouldn't have known that had I not attended. So sidebar to any retailers that are listening, Come to the betting conference next year. It truly does make a difference. All right. 12 months, that's a dramatic turnaround in, it was in dramatic. your reviews. It was. Now, what helped is that we had so few reviews to begin with, they were all bad. So as soon as we started getting a bunch of five stars, it overruled that, which has been a great thing. Uh, but it also allows us that if there's not a good review that comes up, we manage it quickly uh, and it gets served up to us. And it's not one that we just find, it gets served to us immediately. And if there was a situation where the customer had a bad experience, I want to know about it. I want to fix it um, because social media is out there and they're going to have the feelings one way or the other. I want an opportunity to fix it early on. But you've gone from very few to thousands. So yes, far. it's been crazy <laughs> and, love, and, and loving it. And once again, it's been a very positive thing. But it was the relationships that you make when you come to these kind of uh, betting conferences where you can network. It's different than market. Because at market, you're focused on going into the individual vendors and all the different floors. At the betting conference, 
You're developing relationships with people of like mind, same challenges that you're facing, training salespeople like we already talked about. You get to interact with other retailers, other vendors, people you might not have been exposed to. Uh, it's really a great experience. So, you know, you may think, well, I'll just meet people at Vegas or at High Point. No, this is so much better than that. The environment, the atmosphere is just so conducive to really getting great insight into your business and really networking with some of the best in the industry. So you're talking about the challenge of the race to the bottom. Yes. So I think that's one of the challenges. And I talked about that because that came from goodbed.com just a little bit ago. We were just talking with them and they talked about some of the things that are really threatening our mattress industry is that race to the bottom, that $199 mattress that you can buy online. because. As he talked about, and I think this is so true, if I offer a 199 mattress and you come in to get it, you may still buy it, but you're gonna know that it actually is probably the worst mattress that I carry. I will at least expose you to better options that may fit your needs better. But if I go online and buy a 199 mattress, I'm gonna look at the reviews and it might say that it has a bunch of stars uh, and it might be good, but I'm not gonna look for anything better. And then I'm gonna get it home and it's not really gonna fit my needs. And then I'm gonna realize I made a mistake. But here's where the real problem comes in. Because I now have a fear that I might make another mistake, in order to minimize my fear, I minimize my investment. So I don't go out now and buy a $2,000 mattress. I might go out and buy another, maybe I'll go $399, twice as much I just spent. But I'm minimizing my risk and my fear of making a bad choice by not spending as much money. Now I get my second mattress, it's still just really as bad as the first one, and now I just feel like mattresses are just not very good, and I keep that one because I'm not gonna keep going through this process because it's too much of a hassle. So I think what's really been bad for the industry is this kind of race to the bottom uh, because I don't think it really addresses the needs. Uh, and so online mattress purchase in that framework uh, has been a, a real challenge for us. Um, on the flip side of that, I th and also I think weak salespeople. That would be the other aspect. Uh, there are a lot of places you can buy mattresses. Uh, it's unfortunate that sometimes you'll go in and encounter salespeople that have not been trained, they've not been educated, they're there just to make a sale and they provide a very unpleasant experience to the consumer. They get the wrong mattress that doesn't work for them when they get home. The same thing about fear goes again, even if I don't keep that mattress, I have a fear of making a mistake. Uh, and fear unfortunately leads to bad decisions. So on the flip side of that, uh, what I think has been great for this industry has been some real research and development uh, in the focus on sleep. That has changed. You know, back in the 90s when we started this, there wasn't near the conversation about sleep. Um, there wasn't really, I mean, we talked a little bit about it, but it was really about some of the features. You know, the original days of Sealy is that it was firm, firmer, and firmest. You know, and it was all, all it had great support, but not very comfortable. Uh, well, that's all that's changed. People have understand that, um, and I really think that's actually what led partly to the change with the waterbed industry. Uh, you, you saw the rise of pillow tops. You saw the rise of better quality foams. I mean, realistically, your 799 mattress today is far better than probably even the $1,500 mattresses, $100 mattresses of the 90s. 
because the quality of springs and foams and things of really trying to interact to where the customer is to have a better night's sleep is so much more important. So I think there's been a real shift to that uh, on the upper end and there's been companies that have grown that have been willing to invest in that research and development and I think the choices that we have for consumers are far better than it's ever been. The other change that, that seems to uh, have taken place is there seems to be a lot more talk about sleep systems. Mm -hmm. It's not just about the mattress, it's about the topper, it's about the pillow. And the adjustable base. All of that. Absolutely. So how has that factored into the mattress process? I would presume that's a good thing in that you're building a ticket. Well, no question. The average ticket goes up exponentially, but so does the, so does the experience for the customer when they get it home. I'm a firm, passionate believer uh, in the adjustable base. We happen to carry, uh, our bases are manufactured by Ergomotion, one of the leaders in our industry, and uh, but there are many, many of them out there. Now, I'm a little concerned, there's also a race to the bottom now on adjustable bases. Yes, we've seen that. Uh, and people are, and the way you race to the bottom is you cut out features, you cut out benefits. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the head up only deal. I know there's a lot of push out there to at least give away either a free adjustable base, you know, which is a head up only. My concern is that if you use that to draw customers in, and then use it to explain all the other choices, that's great. If all they end up with is a head-up only experience and they don't get the medical benefits of raising the feet or a massage system, once again, I'm afraid the consumer gets shortchanged in that environment. So to your question about sleep systems, yeah, I think it's made a huge difference because it's talking about, by the very nature that you use the word sleep system, you put the word sleep into the conversation. It's not just about the mattress. It's about the way you sleep. Hey, that sounds like a good tagline. I might use that, actually. Doesn't it, though? Exactly. You can take that. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, yeah, I think a sleep system is way more about uh, really educate. But once again, if I use the word sleep system, then i got to educate the consumer on the system and how it works together. And they're not putting a brand new mattress on an old box springs that may be worn out and have waves and all that into it. I can really talk about why this system is best for you, besides that it also raises the average ticket. But it's a better experience for the consumer. So let's project five years based on the current trends that you see. Boxed beds, a huge growing piece of the business. We see a lot of people projecting that to become the primary format. We do see continuing low price. We still see the Casper's leases marketing more and more in the marketplace. If you were to project out five years, what do you think the betting business will look like? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, obviously, there are a lot of people with trying to get a crystal ball now, trying to figure that out. I mean, this is the part everyone's going to listen to, so that yes. they can invest, right? Yeah. Uh, the challenge is, is that let's go back five years, and would you have predicted five years ago where we're at today? And the answer is absolutely not. You know, you know, you saw the merger of uh, Simmons and Serta with SSB. No one would have thought that would have like ever happened five, ten years ago. You know, those were two distinct strong bands. Uh, you know, Tempur-Pedic acquiring Sealy. I mean, people just never saw those kind of things in our future. The rise, I mean, when you look at Nectar that's, what, two years old, mm -hmm. you know, and how big that they've become, uh, it's huge. So to predict the next five years in and of itself would be a challenge. But let me put it this way. One, the bed in the box. No one's buying a mattress because it comes in a box. We talk about the bed in the box. Uh, and we talk about them being a disruptor. I have a challenge with that concept of it being a disruptor. Yes, they certainly have, but they're a disruptor to those of us that want to keep doing things the old way we did them. You know, the reality is Walmart was a disruptor to the department stores back in the days. There have always been a disruptors. 
But when we talk about disruptors, we're just talking about somebody who came along and found a way to take care of the customer, either better, faster, or cheaper. But that's been around for years. And anybody who's ever been able to figure out a better, faster, cheaper way to take care of a consumer has been able to grow their business. And anybody who didn't do that went by the wayside. And that has been a history of business forever. And so I think you're going to find the real emergence. Uh, it's not about buying online. Uh, it's not about just buying in the store. I think in terms of the mattress category, I think the consumers still, and our research shows, that they would still like to try it before they buy it uh, in most cases. But I think you're going to see that traditional retailers are going to figure out how to get better at going online with their products and developing their e-commerce and their websites. And you're going to find the online people trying to figure out how to get in brick and mortar stores because ultimately 70% of the customers would like to try it before they buy it. Uh, and so you're going to see a real merge of that concept. But at the end of the day, the consumer's still going to look for a better night's sleep. And they're going to look to those retailers, whether they're an e-tailer, a retailer, whether they're brick and mortar or online, they're going to be looking for those people who can provide them a better night's sleep through their products. So I'm very optimistic for the mattress business going forward. Uh, the exciting thing is that there's a real focus on sleep. There's a real focus on quality. That's going to stay. That's going to grow even more and more important, uh, especially at the upper end categories uh, that are out there. But I think you're going to see five years from now, it's really going to focus on the consumer. And ultimately, that's what it should focus on. So I'm very optimistic about our industry. Well, that's a great place to wrap up. Thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate All it. Right.